0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 14th October 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, Merck and Moderna's cancer vaccine deal, six pivotal trial readouts to look out for in Q4, Pfizer leads Big Pharma M&A so far this year, making the metaverse work in pharma and a first approval for a Chinese mRNA vaccine. and Co will pay Moderna $250 million up front to exercise an option to jointly develop and commercialise an mRNA-based personalised cancer vaccine, bringing the total investment on the programme so far to $450 million and breeding new life into the PCV field. Jessica Merrill writes the mRNA program is currently in Phase 2 clinical development in combination with Merck's PD-1 inhibitor Keytruda for the adjuvant treatment of high-risk melanoma. Data from the Phase 2 trial are not yet available, but the study is fully enrolled and the data are expected later in the fourth quarter, according to Merck. The decision by the company to exercise its option for the vaccine, known as mRNA4157, Slash V940 is a positive development for therapeutic cancer vaccines, an area of research that has interested scientists and drug makers for two decades, but has continued to elude the industry. While efficacy has been one challenge to the development of personalised cancer vaccines in the past, complex manufacturing and the individualised nature of the treatments have also been other barriers. Moderna believes personalised cancer vaccines will be one prong in its effort to build the company's portfolio beyond COVID-19 vaccines. PCVs are intended to prime a patient's immune system so that it can generate an anti-tumour response to their specific tumour. Merck and Moderna's vaccine is designed to encode a patient's specific neoantigens or unique mutations present in that specific tumour so that it can then stimulate an immune response to that mutational signature, according to the companies. The companies will share costs and profits equally under the collaboration, and Moderna holds the right to co-promote the PCVs in the US if they reach the market. With help from Biomed Tracker, Scripps' Ayesha Sharma takes a look at six drug candidates expecting pivotal data by the end of the year. The assets span a range of therapeutic areas from ophthalmology to neurology and are poised to become market firsts, rivals to dominant products or to win important label expansions. First up is Roche and partners Chugai and Morphosis, which are anticipating data from their IgG1 antibody for Alzheimer's disease, Gantenerumab. The candidate targets amyloid beta, an approach that saw a recent resurgence of confidence after rival AZI and Biogen's Licanimab demonstrated a slowdown of cognitive decline in its confirmatory trial following the disappointment surrounding their first-to-market product, Aduhelm. Gantenerumab is under investigation in the Phase 3 graduate program. Nearly 2,000 patients have been treated for over two years thus far, and Rush is planning to release top-line data at the clinical trials on Alzheimer's disease conference on 30th November. In the renal space, Tricida is taking a second shot at approval for its Palmer binder product, Viverimir, after an accelerated approval filing based on initial data from the Valor CKD trial met with a complete response letter from the US FDA in 2020. If Verimer succeeds this time, it would become the first approved treatment option for CKD with chronic metabolic acidosis, a condition that's currently managed in a minority of patients with oral alkali supplements. The article also looks at NYCOX's glaucoma and ocular hypertension drug candidate NCX470, AbbVie and Roche's hopes for a significant label expansion for their oncology product Vanclexter in multiple myeloma. Exelixis, tyrosine kinase inhibitor, cabometics in the emerging pd one pdl one rechallenge space. And EvaFem Biosciences, contraceptive vaginal gel, Fexi, for prevention of chlamydia and gonorrhea. Many pharma market analysts had predicted 2022 was going to be a bumper year for mergers and acquisitions. But 10 months in, that buying bonanza has yet to materialise. A new analysis from SVB Securities shows there have been 16 mergers and acquisitions agreed by the top 20 biopharma companies so far in 2022, a figure that for the full year looks set to fall well short of the 23 or 24 recorded in each of the preceding three years. Pfizer has done the most to prop up this year's tally, sealing three deals. The number of deals done is somewhat surprising, given that this year saw the perfect conditions for an M&A upturn. A steep decline in the share prices of listed biotechs, the growth in big farmers' cash piles, and an increasingly urgent need for the large companies to restock their pipelines ahead of some major patent expiries. Given the apparently ideal conditions, why have there not been more deals this year? The message from big farmer leaders is that they remain choosy, looking for assets which complement their key therapeutic franchises and which also have valuations that allow for additional value to be created through a merger. One possible deal which would have transformed the M&A year was the much rumored Merck & Co interest in Seagen. In June, a deal to acquire the antibody drug conjugate specialist for around 40 billion dollars had looked imminent, but Merck's interest appears to have waned reportedly because of too high an asking price. But Merck's need to replenish its pipeline is nevertheless pressing, given the upcoming loss of exclusivity in six years for its cancer immunotherapy blockbuster, Keytruda. Back in February, the analysts at SVB predicted a bumper m and year ahead, pointing to their forecast of a huge $538 billion war chest amassed by the 18 biggest pharma companies by the end of the year. But so far, the top 20 companies have only paid out $31 billion in M&A deals, though this is only $6 billion behind 2021's figure. The standout company so far is Pfizer. It's spent $16.27 billion on three companies, Reviral, Biohaven Pharmaceutical and Global Blood Therapeutics, representing more than half of the entire total deal value so far perhaps not surprising given its COVID-19-related windfalls. The infographic article also looks at other trends and names in the frame, so do check it out in full for all the additional details. The metaverse represents the next big paradigm shift across industries, particularly as a way to establish a connect with a younger generation accustomed to exploring and interacting with virtual reality. The pharma industry is well aware of this, and at a recent event, executives from Novartis and AstraZeneca discussed applications from building connects with healthcare providers to educating patients, as well as challenges and performance metrics of this new version of the internet. Biba Ravi writes that as pharma companies take tentative steps, they're drawing inspiration from non-pharma brands like Nike which have successfully established a presence in the world of VR and gaming to allow consumers to experience new products and technologies. At the Indigene Digital Summit, held recently in virtual form, moderator Nancy Fellan referred to Nike's efforts to foster community engagement and allow users to design their own virtual experiences. At the event, Josh Chapman, who's AstraZeneca's Director of US and Global Learning, CVRM, shared a use case where the company harnessed the potential of the Metaverse to train and educate its sales representatives. Chapman pointed to the changing environment post-COVID-19, which means that new recruits are quite raw in dealing with HCPs and the Metaverse presents a perfect training venue. To convince top management and secure a buy-in for the high-cost initiative, the team shared the concept of a three-dimensional immersive environment with a virtual doctor's office with a hallway where you could stand and meet the doctor and could stand by the front desk, he said. As we shared those concepts with key leaders across the organisation, everyone got really excited about the opportunity and potential. AstraZeneca took IndiGene's help to build a collaborative meeting environment that matched the lobby of a hotel. However, Aisha Sharma, who's Executive Director, Data and Platform, Commercial Effectiveness at Novartis pointed out that it will be important for pharma to avoid building a product or experiences that users don't need or the market is not prepared for. In response to an audience question on the slow adoption of Google's high-tech glasses, he said, start with the consumption behavior and then reverse engineer to the problem statement rather than building something cool and geeky but not really finding adoption. So keep it simple. Start with relevance and start with the end-consumption behaviour. Other examples looked at at the session included Pfizer's use of a virtual COVID-19 vaccination campaign, in which it teamed up with Ogilvy and gaming agency Druid to create a virtual vaccination centre within Grand Theft Auto Roleplay. Players began by getting their characters vaccinated at an in-game centre, then posted proof of vaccination to social media to get a full shield bar in the game, a difficult task to achieve otherwise. The session also discussed how long it will take the metaverse to come to reality and the various technical requirements needed for that to happen. Finally, on 30th September, Indonesia's regulatory authorities granted the first approval anywhere for a China-developed mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, AW Corner, formerly ARCOVE, issuing an emergency use authorization for use in people aged 18 and older as a primary or booster injection. Vaccine was developed by Suzhou-based Abogen, Warvax Biotechnology, and China's Academy of Military Medical Science. Brian Yang writes that China has so far refused to approve any foreign-developed mRNA vaccines for COVID-19, despite Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical licensing in local rights to BioNTech's vaccine and starting development back in 2021. Wildvax said its vaccine showed a protection rate in clinical trials against symptomatic wild-type SARS-CoV-2 of 85.4% and 71.17% against the Omicron variant in terms of preventing moderate disease. The vaccine only requires regular cold chain storage at 2 to 8 degrees C rather than super cold temperatures needed for other mRNA vaccines. It's entirely possible that the vaccine works as described in the announcement, but there is a lack of transparency, a former WHO China official told Scrip. The efficacy results are also somewhat lower than what we have seen for the EMA-registered mRNA vaccines, he added. Many believe that China has been waiting to approve its own domestic mRNA vaccine before granting a nod to the Fosun BioNTech product. Without more effective vaccines, such as those based on mRNA platforms, the country will also have very few options to open its doors to freer travel after more than two years of effectively sealing off its borders. Its strict COVID-0 policies mean there has been no chance for its population to develop herd immunity through natural infection, meaning the only way to protect people is through large-scale immunisation campaigns. However, China's domestically developed, inactivated virus based vaccines offer much lower protection rates compared to mRNA vaccines and may also see these rates wear off within around six months of immunization. Notably, China has also granted a global first approval to an inhaled COVID 19 vaccine, CovidSeer Air, from CanSino Biologics for use as a booster. There is also much speculation that the country may grant quick emergency use authorization to the domestic mRNA vaccine if not in October, at least ahead of a potential new wave of infections in the winter season. That's all for this time. Many thanks for listening. All the stories mentioned here are linked in the article accompanying this podcast, so log in to access these or take a free trial to see what you're missing. On a more personal note, I did realise the other day that we've now passed the 100-episode mark for 5 Must Know Things podcast, so just wanted to say a big thank you to all of our listeners, both long-standing and new, for your continued support. While we intend to keep the basic approach to this series the same, do let me know if you have any comments or suggestions around presentation or format. You can drop me a line at ian.hadoc at Thanks again and bye for now.